everyone. I'm Matt Tanner, Head of Developer Relations at MOSIP and your host for today. Welcome to the From Vision to Venture podcast. From Vision to Venture is a MOSIP podcast that highlights some of the biggest wins and challenges in the startup space today. Every episode, we'll talk to different founders to discover some of the strategies that they've used on their journey from being an early stage startup or a little bit later stage. Whether you want to hear more about how to manage life as a founder of a startup or raise a round of investment, this is the podcast for you. Our guest on this episode is Josh Twist. Josh is the co-founder and CEO of Zooplo, one of the most cutting edge gateways that are out there today. On today's episode, we're going to chat with Josh about some of the challenges that he's faced, as well as some of the big wins that they've had over at Zooplo in the last few years. With that said, let's dive right into the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Vision to Venture podcast. Today, I have with me Josh Twist from Zooplo, which is an API management platform that we're going to hear lots about today. And then we're also going to chat about some stuff um, that Josh has experienced as a founder um, of an early stage company. So with that being said, Josh, I'm going to hand it over to you to do uh, a nice little intro for yourself and then give us a bit of background on Zooplo and some of the stuff you're tackling there. Awesome. Hey, Matt. Um, yeah, so Josh Twist, co-founder and CEO of Zooplo. Uh, some background. I'm British, if you can still hear the remnants in my accent, um, but live in the west coast of the U.S. Used to be an engineer with Microsoft. I moved over with them in 2010 to, and live in Redmond, just outside Seattle. Um, I was there for five years, founded several services in Microsoft Azure, Azure Logic Apps, Power Automate Pro, mobile services, and most notably Azure API Management, which is... Um, a competitor to the product I'm, I'm shipping today. Then I was at Facebook for five years, um, a led product for Facebook analytics and for uh, an org called New Experiences, which was really fun. I was one of the first teams to try and take on TikTok. Lots of good stories there, but not super relative to DevTools and so on. Um, and then um, I was at Stripe for a little while where I was head of product for payment methods. So I led the uh, payment methods org, including all the APIs. So I've been a customer and a vendor and I've been around APIs my whole career and very passionate about developer tools and developer experiences, which, you know, you asked for some background on Zooplo. Um, I'll sort of start with, you know, the notion to me that API management as a, as a category is kind of broken today. And I saw this as a vendor at Microsoft when we, we launched a product, Azure API Management, through an acquisition. We acquired a company. It was around the time Apogee was coming to fame before, long before they were acquired by Google. And instantly it struck me just how almost hostile these tools are to developers in terms of how alien they feel. You know, your configuration is stored in databases. They don't work naturally with Git. You have to write weird scripts to deploy them. They're heinously unprogrammable. Yes, most of them have some kind of extensibility model with plugins, but it's really hard and it should be so easy for a developer to deploy their superpowers um, and just extend the gateway and it should feel like writing code anywhere else. And so we've designed Zooplo to solve all of those problems. It's extremely collaborative. And one of the most important things we think about is shortening the feedback cycle. So 
you can deploy a new environment in Zuplo in under 20 seconds. You can have as many environments as you like. Speed is everything to us. And then another thing that's unique about us, you know, when we started this journey, I thought, well, what does the future of a gateway look like? If you're starting from scratch, how would you design the future gateway? And instantly we knew we had to build something from the ground up because we knew that edge compute is the ideal place to run and host and operate a, a gateway. And so we built Zuplo from the ground up. We run at the edge, we deploy you to 300 data centers around the world. So we're the best solution for multi-cloud. We're the only solution really if you're doing any edge compute and you wanna have a gateway in front of it. Um, but that's, that's a little intro to Zuplo. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm sure many of the listeners uh, will, will go and check that out, especially if they're looking for a new APIM solution or if you're looking to replace the one that you already have with something just a, a little more performant and uh, edge-based. Now, let's move on to some founder-specific questions. So mm. you and I have chatted lots over the last few years and, and there's been some really, really good insights that you've given me. Um, one thing that I really want to touch on is... and, and Every founder is going to have tons of stories, but maybe you can pick one where you've come across a significant challenge as a founder, and then you've had to solve that challenge um, for the better, hopefully, um, or maybe it's something that you're still dealing with. But uh, yeah, I would love to hear just a little bit about you know some of the challenges that you faced in, as a founder and uh, how you solved those. Yeah, I think, I think this is a good one to talk about because... I don't think it's talked about enough, and that is just how hard it is to get to get to get started to to get traction going. You know, you you only hear really when you look at TechCrunch and YC or you know wherever you source your information, you only hear about all these rocket ships where it looks like overnight success or lightning in a bottle. And let's be brutally honest, most businesses are not like that. I had the benefit of working at these large companies before where I started lots of new services and just had access to such incredible distribution that I'm used to getting like a hundred customers on day one and you know, just, you know, or if it's in the consumer space, millions when I was at Facebook. Um, that's really hard when you don't have that distribution when you're not at Bigco. And at first it's disheartening. I just chatted with a, a fellow founder, um, friends with a guy called Vijay Raji, who said he went through the same thing where we kind of built the product, we had a hypothesis, and um, we, you know, we knew we'd build this extremely differentiated experience so people just had to taste it and they would know it was better and they'd, they'd come and use it. But actually getting people to just come and try it out and motivating them and understanding how to pitch the value of the product was so hard. It took us nearly a year really before we started to see an uptick. And you know, things are going very well now, but just having the tenacity to stick with it. And it's interesting, you know, I wonder, you know, if you think about like YC companies, um, they don't get a lot of time to like prove they're gonna have growth. And right. I, I don't wanna say you shouldn't pivot, but I, I would say just be aware there's lots of startups out there where it is not an overnight success. I mean, I think another example that's not from the dev tool space is, is um, Figma, which is an you know, enormously successful design tool. I believe their first few years, they, they weren't doing much at all. They were like in the wilderness for a long time. So having the stomach to sit that out, the tenacity to believe in your vision and keep pushing. But I mean, maybe this is something we'll talk about. It's like finding ways to like learn as fast as possible, learn discrete things that are going to improve your game and how you go to customers and shorten that feedback cycle and have a lot of discipline around it. That was kind of how we solved the problem, you know, constantly launching, constantly trying new things. I think the lesson learned for us was 
we thought we could build a slither of a product, an API management product that would say focus on things like rate limiting. But the reality is anyone deploying a gateway is is aware that these things can do lots of things and doesn't want to take the effort of deploying something that only does one thing, even if it does it really well. And so it just took us a while to kind of hit table stakes until we had you know, enough, and now I think we're really quite competitive, enough features, enough policies, enough, enough of a thing to earn a seat at the table when people are sending out RFPs against our competitors, like, you know, the usual names in the, in the magic quadrant. Um, right. So that, that's the, that was, I think, the biggest challenge I think of in, uh, when I look back over the, the just under two years we've been doing this. Right. So, so with that being said, uh, one thing I'd, I'd like to hear more on is, okay, so you've you've built a product you know you have competitors do you chase what they are doing or do you try and blaze a new trail um not necessarily on their their coattails what's kind of your thoughts there because obviously if one product uh, maybe a competitor is getting traction because they have a certain feature do you think it's better to kind of replicate that or something similar or do you think it's better to go okay we're going to completely forget about that Let's actually do something different and better. One of the things, the best product and engineering culture I ever worked in was Facebook. It's just a mind-blowing, um, a mind-blowing place. And one of the mantras is don't, you know, don't worry about the competition. Um, and so um, you would build your product and um, try and not spend too much time worrying about the competition. You're focused on delivering user value. And that opens your mind to a different approach. For us, that was very much the take. You know, we sort of started with a fresh sheet of paper. What does API management really mean? And, you know, we actually have some different answers to that. You know, some stuff in the pipeline we're working on that is not what the competitors are doing. But our technical approach was vastly different. Having said that, so, so I, I, to me, clearly, like, think out of the box. Think different. Don't, don't just build a, a better mousetrap, I think. Um, you know, tr try and um, come at it with a very fresh set of eyes and not just incremental improvements on the approach. But it's very important to have a, an eye on your competitors, understand what they're doing. And honestly, there's lots that can be learned as a startup in terms of how are they selling? How are they positioning in the market? Um, how are they convinced? You know, if you're selling tools that can be sold to enterprise like we are, how do they think about the buyer versus the practitioner and prioritize across that? I'm not saying you would copy them, but you should learn about them and have the, that and learn about all of those approaches and all of those as inputs to your model for deciding your approach. I mean, that's my take. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's a, a really good way to look at it. Um, one thing that we chatted about with, with uh, another guest was about, I know you have a co-founder. Um, one thing that we chatted about was he was a solo founder who said, Hey, I really kind of, if I had to do it again, I would try and bring on a co-founder who complemented kind of the gaps that I have. Would love to hear just maybe a little bit about, maybe not necessarily the challenge of finding a co-founder, but how did that kind of come to be? And, and what are some of the lessons you've learned running a business, you know, as, as two founders or, or more, um, as opposed to a solo founder? Yeah, we're, so we're two founders. We've been very close friends, like best friends for 10 years um, and had always talked about doing a business together. So it sort of was easy. You know, we were just uh, chatting to some investors the other day and they remarked like what a 
strong partnership we had and you know as we sort of tag team the conversation so i was very lucky in the finding a co-founder route i do think it would be very hard to do this alone it is you know doing a startup is very much a roller coaster if it's a good day today brace yourself it's going to be a day tomorrow you know and vice versa like i now know i'm very level as a person i know if if some bad news comes in i'm like well i know something awesome will happen tomorrow it always seems to go that way so it's a real roller coaster so having someone else to talk to and open your heart to is important um in terms of founder dynamics i think one thing we've found especially if it's a close friend like like my co-founder nate is is quickly breaking the taboo of giving each other feedback and being very direct and honest and doing it quickly and in real time you know that's not an easy thing to do with your we'd never worked together before he's my buddy and then suddenly we're on a call i'm like look i don't don't think this was the right way to do this or i think there's some learnings here run into the spike though i mean in my experience it's always uh, been easier than i thought it would be and i think it's critically important um to be transparent actually maybe i don't know if you're going to share links with this but one of our investors posted an article about about this topic recently that i think is a good read um about you know how to manage that that relationship but that's my tip is be honest be transparent give feedback uh, frequently and and transparently awesome yeah no that's good that that uh that kind of supplements some of the stuff that we've we've heard before. Now, you did mention that startups are kind of this this up and down uh, kind of roller coaster that that anyone who's worked worked for a startup or worked with a startup sees. Um, it's even more amplified as a founder, I'm sure. So, what kind of stuff can you do from a personal perspective? What kind of stuff can you do to kind of ease that? You said you're pretty level headed, and and knowing you for the last few years, I absolutely agree. Um, what what are some like I mean for me I know meditation is one of those things that's helped me kind of grow and and deal with the ups and downs of not just regular life but you know being part of uh, you know a relatively high velocity startup do you do you have some tips there for folks maybe some stuff that you've tried and tested and like um well I wouldn't say I've always been so level I think that's definitely something um that's definitely something that's newer, I think, that I, or, or has improved since doing a startup because it's been tested, right. you know. Um, I, look, I, I don't have any magic pill here, but I think meditation's one. I personally struggle with meditation. I, I, I'm sure I can do it. I've tried many times, but my head is like a box of frogs. Um, so probably would be a good thing for me to do. What is critical to me, and actually I broke my rib recently and had to take five weeks out, is exercise. So... You know, I'm, <laughs> I live in two places right now. I live in this little room here and then I live in the gym. That's my only two places I exist mostly. Um, but the gym is so important to me, working out, getting a variety of exercises. I play tennis and so on. And this isn't, this isn't novel. If you look at really smart, big companies, like they very much encourage, they, they push their leadership and talk about how important exercise is for like stress reduction, getting outside of you know the workspace doing something different but overall i i sense my anxiety is higher um so exercise like do it find the time for it really prioritize it. i have blocks in my calendar where i'm going to go and exercise and they're pretty much non-negotiable um right there's exceptions but they're rare honestly they're rare so you find that if you're able to like you look at that as a major part of self-care as a founder and even just as as even an employee i guess you could use it that way you see exercise as kind of that that major kind of foundation to making sure that you're successful within the business and personally. 
Yep, it's the most important thing for me. It really helps. And I know one thing that that we could we won't discuss in detail, but you know, you and I are big uh, proponents of plant-based eating as well, which is so. Yeah. Are you I still did, on the? I still am plant-based. I'm still uh, vegan. Um, uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, so is Nate actually. Um, so it's working for us. It's certainly. I mean, the other. I mean, the other thing actually I would say is sleep and focusing on sleep. Actually, this is a good point. I'm glad you you made me think of this. I used to work with folks like execs at Microsoft and so on, and they would be sending emails at 2 a.m. and then again at 5 a.m. And I'm like, are you getting three hours sleep? And I used to think, cool, some people are wired like that. I think about the world very differently now. I think, um, I think that's not healthy, and I don't think it's productive. I don't think you're getting the best out of yourself if you're only giving yourself three hours sleep on a regular basis. I, would, I avoid that. I try and get seven. I usually don't. Just, I just struggle past the six-hour mark. But I, I, that's, you know, that is something I'm willing to prioritize. I've also learned, because my next day is just so much less productive and less impactful. I'm less good at decision-making. I'm more anxious, all of these things. Um, I even have learned, because I track everything. I have a whoop and, you know, an eight-sleep bed, and so I very much prioritize it. I've learned that if I work too late and I'm very actively working very late at night, it then messes my sleep up. So whenever possible, I try and I try and start working by like 8.30, which I know a lot of startup founders might think that's crazy, but I've just found the balance for me is that overall I'm going to get more productivity if I find that balance, um, uh, you know, particularly around sleep and exercise, my overall productivity is going to be way higher. I think even Elon says this. I think he's like, he does, he says less than six hours sleep is like, you know, is, is counterproductive. Um, yeah. And he's pretty intense, so. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's a book uh, I forget it. it's his name's Matthew I can't remember, but it's a book called How uh, Why We Sleep, mm. and it goes into all of this stuff too. And there's another book called Rest. Uh, I forget exactly who the author is, but yeah. they speak about the exact same thing where productivity is about health, and part of that kind of cornerstone of that is making sure that you're resting and sleeping correctly. And when when you talk about exercise, it sounds like you talked about playing tennis and stuff like that. It's exercise, but it's also restful in a sense that, you know, you're doing something you enjoy. And a lot of people think rest means sitting on the couch, watching Netflix, and mm. that's what you should be doing with your nights as a founder. But maybe it's about, do, you know, spending time with your family. Um, it's yep. about, you know, doing playing, going out and playing tennis or, or doing stuff with friends. Um, you need a second place, right? It's a place where I'm not thinking. You do. And it's, I, can't, I can't think about work whilst I'm playing tennis. I just can't do exactly. it. Exactly. You know? um, and that's a good thing to, to have occasionally. Um, yeah. You know, is to be forced to think about something else. So the last piece here, and we've got a couple of minutes left. I, I mean, you've, you've given us a ton of insight and it, we've kind of already covered some of this, but what are the one to two tips that you would give to other founders or aspiring founders, whether it's, you know, block out time on your calendar for exercise or, or anything like that? What would you say if, if someone came to you, you're in an elevator going down, you've got, you know, a few minutes to chat with them. What kind of advice would you give them? Tricky. Yeah. Obviously look after your health. That's going to be a superpower for you. Um, um, I think another one is around how you work a problem and give yourself time. So this is, you know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll do a corollary. Uh, first of all, decide what your, your organization really cares about. And we, we are an organization that cares desperately about developer experience. It is the very core of our DNA is like, how good is the developer experience? 
And so when it comes to designing solutions for that core number one priority, it's sometimes tempting to say, hey, we want to ship X and we're going to just move really fast and get something out and we're just going to work the problem. I don't always think that's the right call now. I have found if I give things a little bit of time to marinate, and so when I'm driving around in my car, driving to the gym, that I'm still thinking about work all the time when I'm doing that. If I give myself, even if it's just a day or two, to like sleep on a problem I'm working on versus like rush it out, if it's an important problem, it's worth giving yourself that time. It is worth giving you that time. I'm all about pace and execution speed. That is, you know, my ultimate mantra is like, we got to go fast. Learned a lot of that at Facebook. But I have seen there's a countenance to just forcing a design through a hole. Like this is, I'm going to get this important thing out through a hole. So give yourself time. And honestly, the solutions and the real, realizations that I and Nate and the team come to when we do give ourselves a little bit of soak time on a problem, it really allows us to come up with an optimum design. Um, I keep quoting this, but, you know, um, love Elon or hate him, whatever you think about him, he's a pretty smart guy. And he, uh, he said recently about how engineers, if you present them with something, they will like optimize that thing and not question its existence. You know, it's just... Um, the way we're designed to think is we don't challenge the process enough. The best design for these things, often you're questioning why do, why do we even need this thing and can we remove it? And it takes time to, to really swim in the waters of what a solution looks like. And what we end up coming up with when we do that is so much more elegant. The best thing about it is when someone doesn't notice the design work that's gone into it, like, you know, they're like, oh, this, well, that's obvious. That's obvious how this should work. And you're like, you have no idea how not obvious that particular solution is. But we marinated on it, we thought on it, and we swam on it. And yeah, we came out with what we think is a great design. Awesome. Yeah, that is that is honestly some really great feedback, I think. Uh, especially for folks that are kind of in the weeds and want to push stuff out quick. It's good to be able to sit back, make like you said, let things marinate, and get a little closer to perfection Yeah. versus, decide, you know. Decide what you're going to do that on. Don't do it on everything. Don't do it on right. your which insurance company you're going to use or, you know, like garbage things really like, what is your core thing? That's the one that's, that's the core sort of brand value or whatever you, it is you want to say. That's probably the thing where it's worth giving yourself some marination. Right. So if it's important enough to think about in a really deep level, give yourself the time to make sure yep. that you've, you know, seen it more completely. Awesome. I think that's some great advice. Um, and with that, uh, we're going to sign off for today. Josh, thanks so much for joining. Um, if folks want to get a hold of you, see what you're up to, where's the best place for them to, to find you? I'm on Twitter, X, Josh Twist, uh, Zuplo.com, Josh at Zuplo.com email. I'm open, happy to chat with anyone. Check us out. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining, and we'll chat again soon. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for joining this episode of From Vision to Venture. We appreciate you taking the time to listen and be a part of the audience here. If you found today's discussion intriguing, there's plenty more episodes to come. Stay in the loop, definitely subscribe, and we'd love if you'd leave us a rating or a comment on your platform of choice. Now to stay in the loop with Mosif, you can follow us on social media, which is at Mosif, M-O-E-S-I-F, HQ on all of your favorite platforms. Thanks again for joining and we hope to see you soon.